back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I guess it should be Mike, Mike, and Swell. I don't know why we don't have just a logo, and we do have a playlist with you, Amanda. Uh, we just got to get something <laughs> mocked up with you, like, drawn into this. But yes, another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, our Halloween episode where we're going to be talking about men who are unwell with Swell, featuring Amanda <laughs> from Swell Entertainment. Thank you once again for joining us, buddy. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to be both of your worst nightmares. More scary than both of these movies. It's going to be great. A man who is unwell with swell. That's that's a little better than a yell in the dell with swell, which was... That, took is, me a, that was the original tagline? Oh my gosh. It took Mike, me so to long to come skills. up with it too. Mike, we need to work on your copy skills. This is a problem. I'm so I'm so sorry. I, we, we should have referenced... We should have uh, you know, talked first. You should have contacted no, Yeah, I agree. It's oh good. still time. I'm just going to be apologizing for a lot in this episode, apparently. So we'll start it off that way now. It's going to be an interesting one as we are talking about two of the manimal hybrid movies that have both come out in the last few weeks. We are going to be doing a review of both Lamb and the newly released horror movie Antlers. All three of us have been looking forward to these for quite some time. If you've listened to this show, we've been making fun of Lamb for a while. Uh, and we've also been looking forward to Antlers for the last like two years, ever since it was delayed and delayed and delayed because of various things, notwithstanding like the Disney purchase of Fox and then COVID happened and yada, yada, yada. So this is kind of going to be two reviews for the price of one. We will be all non-spoilers as we usually are for both movies in the first half of this episode. So if you've not seen either movie yet, and believe me, there's shocks in store. So this is a good place for you to be. Stay safe in the non-spoiler episode, uh, half of this episode, I should say. Go check out the movie and then hit play on the spoiler half. But all right, let's talk about it and let's introduce the movie. Uh, Mike, you want to take the lead here on talking about who we have involved in both of these productions? Sure. We got Scott Cooper's Antlers with uh, Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons. This is from Searchlight. We've gotten good reviews for both sets of movies, I would say, in terms of the overall. A 60 Metascore for Antlers, uh, 69% on the Rotten Tomato meter. I don't nice. think that's a coincidence uh, for either of these films. Because <laughs> Lamb has a 69 Metascore. This, of course, mm. is Numi Rapace, A24, Iceland's submission for Best International Feature. Let all the pretentious critics do a little dance and a little shimmy in the air oh, for this one. <laughs> TikTok hate TikTok was hilariously attached to this movie, by the way, like making Why? fun of it. They don't understand why the score is so high. Um, so I will be bringing in the Gen Z uh, uh, lens to learn <laughs> because someone has to be the young voice of this podcast. I don't know what me. your generation <laughs> is having sex with, but you guys need to. <laughs> That's probably no, it right there. Yeah. There, do you know how much of my generation? Okay, so I'm on Book Talk, and so much of Book Talk are monster fuckers. It's actually hilarious. <laughs> not the first time you've pitched that phrase on this show either by the way you, you're you're holding fast to the monster fucker terminology is that an actual thing yes and then there's also monster lovers they're the ones who are more interested in taking the monsters out on dates you know like um <laughs> like wine and dine show them what true love is you know that's mm. that's what the monster lovers really are but yeah no monster fuckers are just like you know uh the knight from the green knight i would climb that like a tree like that's what the monster fuckers yeah, I, <laughs> I, listen i have my kinks but i i fear your generation uh, <laughs> hey as, we've as got guillermo as... del toro on our side so leave me alone <laughs> 2017 Oscars, uh, that was your jam. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> when you saw Shape of Water, you almost have just been thrilled. 
Uh, but Guillermo <laughs> del Toro is attached to this as well. He is an executive producer on Antlers. Uh, I guess, well, take either one you want, but how was your movie-going experience? Did you see this one in an actual theater? How were the theaters packed? You released a video of your review, and you had uh, <laughs> some kind of emotion come over you at the end of Lamb. Okay, so I saw both these movies in theaters because I'm a pretentious snob and I have money, um, so I go to theaters. And um, so Lamb, I saw it in AMC. And my experience with Lamb, I was really looking forward to this movie. Okay, I was re- I, I love messed up art house horror. I love it, okay? I was so excited for Lamb. I was like, the trailer was intriguing. I love daytime horror too, but I also mm-hmm. think it's very hard to get right. I don't think this movie got it right. That's just me. That's one of my main critiques of like the horror of Lamb itself is they did not utilize the landscape to its full Mm. potential. Um, But we can talk more about that later. But I was bored 90% of Lamb. I was just bored. And then the last 10 minutes, something happens. I'm not spoiling it, but something happens. I just started cackling. It was a problem. There was maybe 15 other people in this theater with me. I slammed my hands over my mouth and was like literally on the edge of my seat clutching my face to keep myself from laughing, trying to get through there. I was going to um, acid reflux from laughing so hard. <laughs> the movie ends. And then the scariest part of this movie is that the lights stayed off and the credits rolled for so long. I was like, oh my God, are they going to do an end credit scene? Like this is a Marvel movie. I thought Luckily, the same they thing. Luckily they did not, but I was terrified that that's what was going to happen. And then I went and hid in the bathroom to, to calm myself down because I was like, I'm going to throw up walking to my car. I'm laughing so hard. I need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, did you find yourself in a bathroom stall having acid reflux after Lamb? All the cool kids are getting it now, Mike. <laughs> I should have because I'm, I'm getting there because the reason why I had a no good, very bad day at both of these screenings is because I, over, I overate. I overate. Like I ate the AMC nachos at Lamb. <laughs> Like, they're delicious. They're wonderful. They give you salsa, and they give you whatever that cheese is. Mm -hmm. It's Artery clogging. It's not good for you. Yeah, exactly. It's not good for you. So that, like, affects your brain chemistry, I'm sure. Like, I tweeted immediately afterwards, movies are back. And I didn't think twice (laughs) about it. I saw that, and I thought I was going to book a plane ticket and come beat your ass. (laughs) (laughs) But look at look at. I came up with that stupid joke like well before and like a Gen Zer. I was gonna tweet that no matter what. I think mm. uh, I think antlers. I wish I came up with a corny joke, but it, I was sapped of all energy because I had mac and cheese bites. I had a Powerade with sugar and and an ice cream cookie sandwich, like a just debauchery, just sheer <laughs> debauchery. Oh my god! So what I'm hearing is we need to make you a meal plan for movie yes. days. Is what yes. I'm hearing. <laughs> I uh, just out of out of my mind. So the, I don't know if I could have had a good experience at either of these movies if I really wanted so to because of Amanda my... was making a joke about acid reflux. You may have actually been suffering through acid reflux through this you just movie. Had, yeah, you ruined. had IBS while you're watching <laughs> <Yeah>. these movies. <laughs> I, t- I saw both at dinner time. Like they both were 6 p.m. showings, and I didn't eat dinner. Yeah, bef- yeah. So yeah. like an so idiot you're trying to cut. Ca- yeah. Well. I I, uh, I I feel bad. I have no acid reflux story to add. I was in an empty theater for both showings. I had like mm. no, but I had one, two people in my screening for Lamb, and I had one other guy was in there last night with Antlers, and Antlers was the opening night, so I kind of fear for the box office Uh-oh. for it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if, if that's I don't know. Was your theater packed at all, Amanda, for for Antlers? No, not at all. But I, I was. Um, because I went to one of my non-usual theaters. I'm staying with my father right now. So I went to his local theater while he watched my, my, uh, 
my furry son um, so I could go see this movie um, for exchange of me picking up dinner on my way home. Um, but the people, there was only like, some people left. And I think it was, this theater is known for movie hopping because they have literally no one watching the hallway. So people oh, just gotcha. go and then hop in. I used to sneak into this theater all the time. Like this was the, the crux of my movie going, uh, experience in high school of not paying. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> sex with people- monsters, you theater, <laughs> this next generation, Mike, we're all going to hell. <laughs> hell in a handbasket. Hey, 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 our motto is be gay, do crime, okay? So I need to <laughs> Be gay, do... I wish that was the motto for one of these movies, but no, it's a... Uh, yeah, no. Gay, yeah, no, we did the Badland um, pun already. I don't have another one ready. Okay, but um, no, but the cu- there was a couple sitting in front of me, and I felt so bad, because this guy clearly was like, okay, horror movie. She's going to snuggle up with me. I can make out with her. Meanwhile, mm. this woman is so scared, she's vibrating in her seat. She like just keeps <laughs> jumping and pushing away from him out of fear. And it's like, oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> he probably got the big popcorn for her. He splurged. He went into... Uh, a mini debt trying to buy the nice movie tickets because he thought he was going to get some. And instead, mm. she was like generally enthralled by this movie. So suck it, Mike. Someone like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's a good uh, as good a uh, segue as anything because, Mike, you were uh, not a fan, at least of the story of Antlers, but you liked Lamb. I liked Lamb. I love I loved the idea of Lamb, too, because from the marketing, you and I were kind of having fun with it. They're playing... You know, God only knows by the Beach Boys over the trailer, mm-hmm. which is fun and kind of a you know bittersweet, melancholy song. But it, I it's thought a- they would play that during the man on animal sex scene, but they didn't. They went with something else, which was interesting. Oh my god, <laughs> that's I, not in this movie. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I seriously wish. I'm, I'll explain why in spoilers. But look, I mean, you, you wish for bestiality. Is look, at, hey, your generation has your slogans. Ours has ours. All right, service <laughs> the story and tell off the gen. Uh, tell off the millennials. I, that's where I'm going in this episode. But no, I think uh, animals are characters in Lamb. It's a fable. There's a surface level level moral that's pretty clear. Below the surface, we we could talk, and we're gonna talk. Um, uh-huh. I also disagree with the pretentious critics. It's not a horror movie. It's absurd. I loved your video. That was the problem. That was the problem. (laughs) They kept saying, the most disturbing story ever put to film. Liars. What else did you watch? The the Care Bears movies? What else did you watch? I need to know. What humorless. There's a lack of sex in those movies, too, now that you bring it up. I don't think either one of these movies were actually, like, horror, scary type no. movies. And I'm surprised to hear that somebody in your theater, Amanda, was, like, actually that scared and jumping around. Because I didn't think there was, like, chock full of jump scares in either one of these. I think there were definitely, there was de- there was really no jump scares in um, Lamb, aside from, like, the lack of character development. And then suddenly there's character development. Oh, my God, terrifying. But for Antlers, um, (laughs) for Antlers, there was a couple, especially with the, can I say monster? Can I say, it's a monster movie. I think we can say that. It's not a spoiler if I say monster. It's in the previous. Yeah, when it jumps out or like there's like, it's not gone, but it's there. Like there was a couple like, like lighting reveals. And I think that's the way they got rid of it feeling like less jump scares. But I mean, I think that's why this woman was so scared. Um, but anyway, it was a great advertisement for moving to Oregon. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of open space and vacated buildings. Lots mm-hmm. of trees. I love, I'm in LA. It's a concrete jungle. Listen, I'm just a city girl. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, so I see trees and I like start, I start vibrating with excitement, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Going to be the horniest episode of this podcast we've ever fucking talked about. <laughs> since last episode of this yeah, podcast. Since last episode of this podcast. Oh my God. Um, moving on to performances. Mike, we like to present ourselves as Oscar pundits. Is there anything here Oscar-worthy in these performances? I like Numi. I thought the uh, the Lamb actor trio, they're selling me a lot that I probably wouldn't buy otherwise, like like Amanda says. Like, there's some plot holes. <laughs> a few, just a few. That I, but I enjoy the performances, and I've, I've enjoyed her career all, all, all along. Carrie Russell does it. She kind of elevates the material a little bit, but I just don't think the story is there for antlers so it's yes it's nice to see amy madigan back i always love jesse plemons uh graham green nice to see him again but uh i just didn't i didn't appreciate the acting in uh in antlers as much i mean numi i will say this about lamb there was something about numi's just overall demeanor in Lamb that I was like, damn, let me paint you. You have a face that needs to be in a portrait. She looks so pretty in this movie and I don't understand. I think it's the cheekbones, the facial structure. I don't know. But she looked so pretty. The arms, and then there was perhaps. one moment. Okay, listen, I don't understand her arm structure either. Okay, listen, everyone, I'm a YouTuber. I did a video about this. There's literally a sex scene in this movie. We see Numi's boobs and I was so distracted by her arm musculature that I couldn't even care that I was seeing nips I don't understand what (laughs) that says about my bisexuality but I was just like wow what is your arm routine can you lift some stuff for me let's see what that looks like like that's where like I was so confused (laughs) internally go to Amanda's apartment and it's just paintings of Numi repeatedly lifting boxes (laughs) heavy boxes I feel the same way about Jesse Plemons in Antlers, yeah. so I understand totally what you're talking about there. Just to, okay, do you want to hear my really dumb Jesse Plemons adjacent story? Yes, <laughs> please, please. please. Okay, so there's this thing about Twitter where sometimes you can say something or tweet something, and people will just assu- like put their they'll they'll project onto it, and somehow it's your problem. Okay, so at one point. I think I retweeted a movie still of Jesse Plemons, okay? Or I did something with a retweet. I don't even remember, but I know Jesse Plemons was in this image somehow of what I retweeted. I then got a direct message from someone with a, it was a frowny face. It's like, yeah, I always get really upset when I see Jesse Plemons' face because his dad was my teacher or something and he gave me an F. So I always get really upset when I see his face. So somehow <laughs> it was my fault that I had, re- that this, that Jesse Plemons' His father had given this dude like an F on an assignment. some deep-seated PTSD in somebody? Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, can you you not repost these photos? And I'm like, I didn't even reply. I was like, this is so out of my field. That might be the secret to his acting, Jesse Plemons. He like channels a dead-eyed teacher who doesn't think the kids (laughs) listen to him anymore for so many of his roles. And he's just, yeah, it's his dad. Oh my god. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's not the it's not the craft or the uh love of uh being an it's, artist. None of no, that. It's the no. it's the dead-eyed teacher look. That's it. That's such a microcosm for social media in general too. Like you innocuously just retweeting something and now it's this is your issue that you've triggered this in somebody. Oh yeah, I once liked a tweet um about um gosh, I want to say it was Jamila Jamil 
And sometimes Twitter on mobile, it's or the computer, it says like so and so liked me and one other uh, mutual of mine liked it, and so we both got tweeted at like, oh, and Amanda and so and so are liking shady tweets about her. Why is everyone trying to cancel her? It's like, excuse me, <laughs> what? The day you get canceled over liking a tweet, honestly. <laughs> I think it was okay because you know what the photo was? Jamila Jamil had posted a snap a story on Instagram where she highlighted in the background there was all these tufts of hair and she just captioned it, these are my pubes. And it's like, I just, I, I just, the tweet was like, hey, what the hell is this? And I was like, yeah, what is this? Why would you post this? Well, now you know. Don't go, don't go pube hunting on Twitter. I think that's a solid, you know. Rule oh, to God. follow in the future. Also, I will, um, if you want to play the Swallow Entertainment lamb drinking game, uh, take a shot every time I refer to one of the grown up uh, lambs, which are sheep. I kept calling them goats. So if I say goat anything, take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Just continue that from your video, your review. Yeah. As far as the production values, you've mentioned how lamb was shot in the daytime. It's a daytime horror movie. I mean, there's at least beautiful landscapes, obviously. And beautiful landscapes. Uh, what about the production yeah. values impressed you? Go to jail. Go <laughs> I to, tried go to, to lamb jail. I, go yeah, to I'm lamb sorry. jail. <laughs> go to jail. Uh, <laughs> what did you <laughs> about the production values and antlers or lamb or please save me from myself from these puns? Okay. Okay. Yeah. We need to, Mike, I'm going to disable your, your mic. Um, and, um, <laughs> So my issue with, okay, so Lamb is beautifully shot, okay? It's mm. a stunning, it's shot in the, um, in a desolate part of Iceland um, on literally a sheep farm that's very isolated. It's a beautiful setting. And I feel like with all of their, their shots, it's a mostly visual film. Dial, it's not very dialogue heavy in a majority of the film. Mm. Um, but I just, I feel like they tried to highlight the beautifulness of the landscapes and not the isolation and like just how I don't want to say barren. That's not the right word. Cause it's again, stunning, but just how isolated and vast all of this is. And I feel like that could have really added to the story if they had shot this slightly differently. You have to resort to bestiality by live. No. If you're living in an area such as this, that should be the God. overall takeaway of, I agree with you, Swell. I have always agreed with you about this. We've always come together to on this God. point and this point in particular. I swear to God. If there was a way I could disown you, I would. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I, I wanted the uh, the setting to be more menacing, I think. And uh, there is there is a fairy tale sweep to lamb because of its scenery and it's almost hard to have bad cinematography in a setting like this but the Mm -hmm. cinematography is gorgeous it's next level it might even be oscar worthy it might even have grabbed it its best international film selection i loved it whereas you know i think the cinematography of antlers is strong as well it's taking Mm -hmm. the Guillermo del Toro trick of doing like monster creature effects in the dark, which is something mm-hmm. he's built a career on for lower budget projects. So I think both of these movies do, do with the visuals, they handle the visuals very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely with that. And it's kind of like two ends of a spectrum there. Lamb's obviously in the daytime, bright and vivid and colorful and antlers. You're playing with all kinds of shadows and different types of lighting and blocking and stuff. And I thought I agree with both of you. Both were very well shot. Uh, Swell, you didn't like the, uh, score at least in antlers it kind of took you out of there 
Okay, there's this incredible climactic moment that I'm sure Mike is going to have a problem with. But <laughs> my issue with it was they chose triumphant music to play during the climax. And it's like, no, the triumphant moment hasn't happened yet. I need you to stop. Because then, <laughs> then immediately it goes to this next very dark scene. And it's like, okay, but you just tried to do an upbeat. It, it, I don't know. I just think that uh, they should have done something very different with the ending score. Um, because I just think that it really, it cheapened the energy yeah. of the ending before the ending, I guess. So the, the climactic scenes and also just the reveals and all of that. So, yeah. And as upset as the score made swell, Mike, you were impressed by the sound effects of Antlers? Yeah, they were gross. I mean, there's a lot of crackling and I don't know what they did for the creature sounds. I mean, maybe they might have filmed Bigfoot for all I know. Uh, recorded Bigfoot in yes. the woods out there in Oregon because I've been I you guys all know this I've been at the beginning of the pandemic really yes. questioning whether or not Bigfoot exists that was like a thing for me for a month I was down that rabbit more hole. so than questioning you were on the verge of like hunting and finding out for yourself that's right that's yeah, right. yeah see the thing with Oregon that I I love and I think this really did achieve because there's something about the Oregon for escapes okay where it's like you can't like you could be looking at a whole what you think is an open uh like thing of trees and you really have no idea what's looking back at you and i think that really does add in here with antlers where it's like you you are walking through the forest you think you have great visibility but you really have no idea what is looking back at you and in this case it's a monster, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. you could be Bigfoot. You have no way of knowing that Bigfoot's not out in this <laughs> this wide swath of forest. That sentence just creeped me out, and I wish you didn't tell me that because I, now I've always been someone that like loves the the forest and loves waterfalls and loves nature. And now just you saying that was like, oh, that's a good point. I could you, be getting spied on by all types of shit out there. Yeah, you didn't watch my. Um, I did a video review of a a really well done. Bigfoot movie, but had horrible acting and horrible writing. And it mm. was just, it was the most, it was called uh, Primal, Primal Rage, I think, off the top of my head. Just a, like a flippin' uh, Terminator of Bigfoot in this movie, okay? <laughs> but, it, and, and, but all of these hunters are in it, and they have the awareness of a goddamn sandal. And it's like, okay, if you're a hunter, maybe, I'm not a hunter. Like, again, I'm a city girl, okay? Also, I'm, I don't like guns. But, um... <laughs> I assume that if I was hunting in the forest, whatever I'm hunting would have a better understanding of the space that I'm in than I'm in, you know? So if something is coming at me, don't don't take the time to hide, run, get out of dodge. But this movie, people are hiding and it's like, no, this 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 Bigfoot's going to going to murk you and it does. It murks nearly everybody. So yeah, that's my thought of like anything that's in the woods knows the woods better than you. Good point. Well, now I need to never go on a hike ever again. So thanks for that. You're welcome. Just just do what I do and listen to murder podcasts while you're hiking alone as a small woman. Just do that. That really helps. Your your existence both terrifies and fascinates me. Honestly, that's like my dream. Those are my dream, my dream vibes. I tell you, that, uh, you know, around the bend from the fjord... Icelandic setting is not looking so scary now, is it, guys? <laughs> Wide no, open spaces like, there now. The, the climax, the ending of Lamb, I felt could have been so much, executed so much better if they mm-hmm. had highlighted that, yeah, they're alone. They, they have no other options but each other. 
you know, and it's like, there's nothing they can do. They're trapped out here, but they chose instead to do a lot of really close up shots of this mm. ending. And I'm like, see, I feel like that cheapened, like you could have had something more scary here other than this, like character realization moment, which I thought was dumb. I'll say it. We can, <laughs> we'll talk about it in the spoiler section, <laughs> but I don't know. I just felt like they could have handled the setting way better in lamb. And that's just my take. And I'm not wrong. <laughs> we could go headlong into spoilers as we wrap up the Oscar lens here. Mike, you already mentioned that uh, Lamb at least is going to be the submission uh, for the international feature category. Do you see anything else coming from either one of these two movies as far as Oscars go? I think uh, Lamb needed some more box office to factor in here. We've made the same argument about Tatan to a degree. Mm. It does have a path in, in uh, international feature in the sense that you know, the name recognition of, of Numi Rapace there. She's on the poster. Maybe the Academy clicks on, you know, Lamb instead of other movies to put it on the shortlist. So I won't count it out necessarily. 824 is behind it. But uh, I think it would have had to have done better, you know, to really make some, some headway, especially into any other categories. And, yeah, nothing – Antlers is not going anywhere. Like you said, it's probably not even going to do well this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere because at the end of the day, a lot of um, horror just still is not really recognized by uh, the Academy for the most part. Like, there's still so much that horror just isn't really like. I don't want to. I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, no, you're. I mean, no, you're, you're hitting it. No question. Yeah, yeah we just no. said we had a whole section on our last episode just focusing on that very aspect. You're a thousand percent right, Swell. Mm-hmm. But also, speaking of Lamb, compared to, let's say, another A24 movie, let's talk about The Green Knight. Like, do you think that they would choose Lamb over The Green Knight for, like, best cinematography or best literally anything? They're not getting cinematography for Lamb. I would be shocked. I, 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 mm. Yeah. It's just too yeah, crowded I would, I would tend to agree. Yeah, yeah. With bigger budget mm-hmm. movies. Dune and West Side Story, those are getting it. You know, nightmare okay, alley. I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen Dune, and I really have no intention of seeing Dune. I'm going to be honest with you. We're Mainly the only two people on film Twitter who don't like it. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not attracted to Timothy Shalamahu. I don't. I'm not attracted <laughs> to him. I do think it's hilarious that he quite literally caused a chlamydia outbreak at NYU. I do think that's mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, <laughs> however, I, I'm not attracted to him whatsoever. Um, and it's not even like, I I'd, eh, I'd just like, I don't know. I just, I don't f- want to, I'm not attracted to people I feel like I need to take care of. And it's not the Victorian orphan look. <laughs> I just feel like, I feel like even though he is a high paid uh, Hollywood big name actor having a moment, I feel like he's someone you have to like hold his hand when you walk into the grocery store with. Otherwise he's wandering off. Like he gives me that vibe <laughs> of a man and I don't like that. The incidental dismantling and disdain you have for the entirety of the movie Call Me By Your Name is really admirable. (laughs) You are piecemealing, just tearing that movie apart and ending careers. And I I admire it. Yes, I'm the one that did it. Not Army Hammer's cannibalism or his his disdain for women. Um, We could go on into the spoiler section. Uh, a, A couple shocks to be seen. Are we recommending both these movies are you recommending one versus the other should we watch these or not watch these before we hit spoilers mike i love lamb Lamb. (laughs) yeah i love lamb i think it's it's something to experience 
I think it's very disturbing. I'm kidding. It's not disturbing. Mike is uh, wrong. Um, and um, <laughs> I think if anything, you should watch the TikToks that are making fun of lamb. You'll get more out of it than if you actually were to pay money and buy yourself a popcorn and a soda uh, to go and see this movie. Um, if anything, watch my YouTube video. I will make sure that Mike and Mike uh, link it down below so I can spoil the movie for you more thoroughly than we probably will on this podcast because I'm funny. Um, so there's that. The the pivot to self promotion there was just seamless, just uh, a plus. Always be shilling. <laughs> um, let's go to spoilers. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for both Lamb and Antlers, two new horror movies released, uh, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar with our buddy Amanda of Swell Entertainment on YouTube. If you've not seen the movies yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go check them both out at your local theaters. Uh, We'll be here waiting for you when you come back to hit play, and do go check them out, and don't go forward if you haven't seen them, because boy, are there twists and turns ahead. If you've seen the movie already, this is where you want to be. Antlers and Lamb, the review by Mike, Mike, and Oscar with our buddy Amanda of Swell Entertainment. Michael, you have some questions that you want to volunteer. I have some very important questions because from Aesop and Plato. Okay, stop, stop, stop. I'm going to stop you there because already, already we're, we're ignoring the important part. We need to talk about the sheep man. And I feel like you're trying to breeze past that. And I don't appreciate that. I think you're depriving the listener of the sheep man. Is it a man or beast? Yeah. How does he have opposable thumbs? Number one. Okay, we're both of his. Okay, okay. So for those yeah. listening, hi. So Ada, the <laughs> lamb child in Lamb, okay, has one arm that's a lamb arm, and then uh, like the the shoulder and head are a lamb, and then the rest of this is a human child. So our brains all went, okay, the dad fucked the the sheep. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. but no, the reveal of this movie in the last ten minutes is that the human dad has a bleeding bullet hole out of his uh, neck, okay? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it cuts over to a half-man, part sheep, holding a shotgun. And I burst out laughing. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. Did he have two arms of a, a human? Did he only have so. a sheep head? Is Is the so. sheep... Okay, okay, now I have a more serious question. Is the sheep gene recessive? Is that what we're learning? Because why is it not... <laughs> It's not like a mermaid, so it's like. (laughs) Yeah, he was mostly he was mostly man skinned. Like his topical area was. He was Robert De Niro from Cape Fear, just as a half lamb, or Robert De Niro's Frankenstein thing I've ever seen. Yeah, so he the only thing that was sheep was like his facial features. Like he had human flesh antlers, and and his penis. He had a sheep penis. We didn't. We don't know though. See, we don't know. We never saw his penis. And that's one of my critiques. Because you have this whole movie, okay? We just saw we just saw titties, okay? Earlier on in this movie, okay? Yeah. But I don't like the double standard of, of Hollywood and apparently Icelandic uh, the film the film industry. I don't like, oh, we can't see full we can't see full dong. Why can't we see full you dong? You wanted lamb shaft. You needed gonna... you needed full lamb shaft. No, I'm serious. They're doing angling. They're doing uh, framing so that we don't see schlong. And I don't like that like no we're gonna be modest now you just introduced a sheep man you just introduced yeah, a sheep man and he just killed someone in front of a, look, his I, l- lamb daughter 
I don't want to advocate for the conservative side of this, but seeing Numi Rapace's bare breasts and then seeing a, a, a lamb man with a dangling penis, one's a little more natural for the human brain to comprehend, and the other one might be a little jarring, listen, no? Listen, this is a movie that kept billing itself as disturbing horror. Show us the lamb dick, okay? <laughs> I, look, I, I'm guessing this much. I don't know a lot, but I know this. You probably would be disappointed by this lamb dick. All right. And I'm, I'm reading <laughs> I'm it to context trying, clues. I am not trying to be impressed. Okay. I'm not trying to be impressed. I don't like the double standard of hiding it from us. I, I agree. Don't like it's just that. the right line but test for you. If, you just needed to see it. If it was all that, why is A, why is he off into the woods? You know, and B, how is he able to structurally to have sex with the greatest sheep actress in the history of sheep acting. Oh, I named her Elizabeth, Meryl Streep by of the sheep. Way. Elizabeth. I named her Elizabeth. The sheep mom's name is Elizabeth because they don't name the sheep mom. Oh, also the dog's name is Charlie because the, these characters are the worst people ever and just call the dog dog and that's not okay. Right. His name is Charlie. Naming a dog dog is so efficient and hilarious. And why can't dog be its name? Because he's a working dog, and they're basically treating him like he's their servant, and I don't like that. Right. So his name is is Charlie. And Mike, if you do not uh, accommodate his name, I will end this call, and you will have half of an episode. <laughs> All right, fine. We can, we'll call him Charlie, but I demand Elizabeth be known as Meryl Sheep. But fine. Elizabeth, the concubine of Tumnus. Can we call him Master Tumnus? Can we from Narnia? No. Can I get no. something that I Boo. want? Boo you! <laughs> Boo Narnia! Bye. <laughs> Jim Brewer, Goat Boy. What, what, can we call him Jim then? Can we call him Jim? Sure. sure. All right, I got something. I, Jim. I, I, Jim Hogan. Can I have this pen? No. <laughs> so, Ingl- Jim cannot have sex with Elizabeth unless Jim's dong is a, a totally ram dong. Like, he can't. If you have a human penis, you oh, can't. I have some videos from old. What are you talking about, differ, sir? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. People, there are fucked up people on this planet who think yeah. bestiality is an option. They have. There, it's possible. Don't do no, see, it. If I find out you do it, I will hunt Mike you just down. Put Amanda and I in the position to defend bestiality. He has to have yeah, sheep sperm. You, he has to have sheep <laughs> sperm. So he has to have sheep testicles in order no, to have. He's, he's already a hybrid sheep man, so it doesn't have to have sheep testicles like there it doesn't who knows what the science the genealogy behind these people are who knows maybe yeah, maybe but- Meryl sheep is a whole different maybe she's secretly a human trapped in a sheep's body based on what we see throughout <laughs> the movie maybe that's the reveal she is she has been she uh got reincarnated with all of her consciousness and she's fucked now because she stepped in a sheep maybe that's I what happened agree with you that there's so Find many farmers me out the there. The other Oscars podcast that's going this. <laughs> this is see. This is this is the week that Wandry listens. You know, like, yeah. Right. Like, wow, this is maybe this is our next podcast. There's farmers listening right now that like <laughs> my sins are gonna come home to roost, and they watch this movie as super serious. Like this is. Oh my God! Their worst nightmare. It's a love story. <laughs> no, but my whole point is there would be ha- there would be abominations walking around everywhere. Kill me, kill me. There, would- there might fable. be in this world. No, hey, there might be in this world. You are acting as if science exists in the Lamb universe. 
<laughs> I don't think that's true, okay? Because if science exists, but them actually caring for this dog does not, then I'm going to have a problem with this whole movie even more. So I'm no, mad at the dog. All right. Can I start my line of questioning though? Because yes. I think yes. I think I have some the- I have some theories that I don't know. Like you may dunk on me for these theories, but all right, oh, I here will. we go. Don't worry. When you started the movie, I think the big reveal. What we know, there's a monster. It's either you know Farmer Fran next door or a monster, right? But we know somebody kills the dog, and that's mm-hmm. and that's like at the you know the the eighty percent point of the movie, right? During we're about to head into the lap final sequence, right? Mm-hmm. But before that, like. We don't know if it's drunken Ingmar, you know, breathing heavy, or if it's a monster. And I'm thinking the whole movie, especially from the marketing, is Ingvar boinking the sheep? Like, that is the drive. You always yeah. have a drive okay. as a screenwriter. What What were you guys thinking during that moment? Were you thinking, which, this is definitely a monster? Moment? At the beginning, the first scene of the movie, is this drunken Ingvar? Is this the drunken neighbor? Is this... Who oh, do you the think breathing, is looking over the, the sheep that are walking through the horses and stuff. Or what do you? Yeah, or in I mean, the in the okay. So when I the mean, Michael figured... Bay pan up over the hinds <laughs> of that sheep to to nineteen eighties glam rock. I mean, what are you thinking in that moment? Was it hot for you too? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Sorry. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I gotta go. <laughs> Jeez. Wow, you you really my wow! I'm full body cringing. I'm in a ball. I am in a ball right now. Oh, don't you get high and mighty, little miss? I want to see that lamb cock. Yeah, you know what though? This is payback. This is payback. You hijacked our whole opening with monster fucking. Listen, listen. But this is what Generation listen, Z older no, brothers listen, need to do to millennials. Listen, there yes. is camp, which is what I'm doing, which is fun and sexy. And then there is literally making me viscerally uncomfortable, which is what you're I doing. And that's yeah, there's, yeah. one is well, fun and exciting. I'm and fun the other sexy. <laughs> yeah. But then, I mean, basically, this whole line of questioning is going towards did Ingvar have sex with the sheep anyway? Because, all right, no. here's my theory. No. No, no but here, no, here's my no, theory. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Because. <laughs> Go ahead. They pull out a half human, half sheep child. Yeah. Or, or it's, really a, it's really a 90 10. It's mostly human, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the the exchanges, this is the best scene of the movie, in my opinion. The exchanges where she looks at him when he's not looking at her, and then he looks at her, oh my God, what is she going to think? The the acting in that scene might be Oscar-worthy. That was my favorite scene. Numi Rapace and the husband almost looking at each other, not meeting each other's eyes. Him not defending himself in that scene. The fact that we don't get wait a minute from him <laughs> tells me at least it leaves open the possibility that no, he is not. in fact You're thinking so wouldn't, him doing, wouldn't him doing that make it more obvious that he did bang a sheep i think he's banging some wool i think he's crushing wool on the on the weekends <laughs> oh, and and he's like thinking this is this might be my child okay okay so the setup for this incredibly high school 12 year old question is that um basically at the start of the movie we are I'm choking shown that on Ing- water don't even edit that out <laughs> i was just joking i tried to hold it in 
Oh my god. Ingvar and Maria, who are the the mom and dad of this movie, okay? They're clearly distant. We later find out that they had a daughter that died somehow. Also named mm-hmm. Otta, which I also think is fucked up that they then named their sheep daughter Otta. I think that's fucked. But um, they are clearly distant. They clearly lost their daughter. They're still clearly not sure how to be together anymore without her. They're not sure how to deal with this loss, okay? They are just going through the motions of running their sheep farm. Then one of their sheep is giving birth. So they go and they deliver another sheep and then they don't show the body of the lamb at first. And mm-hmm. so because we only saw the head, I'm thinking, oh, they're doing a folly ado situation where it's actually a madness of two and they are just basically projecting that this is somehow a human child. It's a shared delusion, okay? And then later we find out, no, this is actually half human, half lamb, okay? But I never thought in that moment, oh, he fucked the lamb and he's like, does she know? Like, it's never like that. And I don't know why you got that from that scene. Oh, you rewatch it, rewatch I it. Went in, I went into the movie thinking that was going to be the case. Right. I, I did. I mean, we joked about it all throughout the movie. No, lead, I figured because- there was something there, obviously, because especially there's multiple scenes in the trailer where Ada is clearly walking like a human child. And so it's like, okay, we may not see the naked lamb child body that we see in the movie, but you know something's going on where this is part of a human, okay? But there's also marital tension. Like, like, oh, wait, did Mar- do we? Do you both agree that Maria clearly had slept with Ingvar's brother at some point? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, because that's how all these movies work, is they're always in love with the brother for some reason, and no one marries who they're happy to marry, which is so dumb and media, and I'm so tired of it. <laughs> But so, so like, there could have been some kind of revenge factor would be like, you know, I know you slept with my brother, so I'm going to bang this sheep. No, because I don't think it's that. Because I think, I really do think that at the start, they're really lost and heartbroken and not sure how to be together anymore because they lost their daughter. I mean, clearly they have the crib tucked away, but they didn't get rid of the crib. They have the room still all set up, even though Ada never actually sleeps in her own bedroom. You know, it's like, clearly they are not... They're just going through the motions of running their farm. And side note, the fact that these, I'm assuming they lost their daughter because they didn't close the door and she got out and then died in the Icelandic wilderness. But the fact that these people literally well, they never don't even lock their door. They know. No, it's not even that. They don't close their door, Mike. Yeah. They don't, which is so dumb. Look, Numi has to think that he's the father of Ada. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask next. Yeah, has who, to. Who because think if this, you like, birth, this came from. If you birth a half-human child out of a lamb, you're right. It could be a shared delusion. You have to think, either I am crazy or my husband's my getting husband's frisky. He's getting frisky think, on a see, Wednesday. I don't I don't think she... Th- I think she doesn't want to... It's like looking at Gift Horse the Mouse. It's just like, no, this is a human child and now this is ours. This is the gods or whatever giving us this gift. Right. So I you don't think, this, think- is, this is like an immaculate baby in their eyes? I think so, yeah. I think they truly think Ada's come back to us, which is why they... I think them naming Ada, Ada, and re- the same name as their dead daughter, I don't think that's a uh, just a storytelling device. I do think it's because they think she's been reincarnated as this lamb human child. All right, but how do you explain that sheep fucking grin he has plastered over his face the entire film? He's way no, too he's, happy. He's... Oh, my God. <laughs> he's way okay. too happy. He's got... Okay. Listen... He he, not only has he been screwing the sheep, but his entire lifestyle of sheep fucking is validated. He's like, oh, my God, not only do I get away with this, but it's made my wife happier than she's ever been in our marriage. Apparently, 
I am doing a podcast with two children right now. Well, no, wait, 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 wait. Because... I was going to say, for the record, I don't think he actually was banging sheep at any point in this movie. Oh, I make that pretty clear. Oh, okay. So now you're on my side because it's no, no longer I did, cool like, to believe in I went in, in thinking fucking. that was the case. I went in thinking that was the case, but I think it's pretty, I mean, I don't think he's banging any sheep. I think, okay, Mike, who believes in sheep fucking, I think that... Um, <laughs> Which is going to be our new name from now on, by the way. <laughs> I'm trying to distinguish the two of you. Gotta change um, our surnames again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I think that there would be way more um, hesitation displayed in Ingvar throughout the movie, or at least at the start, with Ada, if there was something like that going on. But he is way too gung-ho of like, yes, our daughter's back. Like, he's too happy. And that's your reasoning of like, oh, yeah, no, he's validated. I don't think so. I think there is more, there would be more of a subtle hostility and more of like, when is she going to realize that I was sleeping with the, the that I was uh, yeah. assaulting my, our sheep? Why isn't that addressed? That should be addressed if they're not make, leading us Because the, the assumption is not banging sheep. Mike, I don't think. <laughs> no, so, all right. So you're going to assume that, that that Master Tumnus is walking around the woods. That is more no, re- reasonable. that's the point. No, she's that saying is it's the point. It's a, it's a fable. It's a fable. You can't act like there's logic put into this. It's all like, right. oh, the sheep ate a certain flower and now it has, it gave birth to an antelope. Like that's, that's basically what the weird shit is. You can't But they don't know logic. they're living in a fable until... The child's born, right? I mean, the the fact that the filmmakers don't address it—that's why I like take oh this God. movie as a comedy. I'm like, I'm why I'm watching this movie as a comedy from the go because I see it in the marketing, <laughs> and then I, I watch it during the whole film, and I, that's but, what but I'm thinking the whole time. If if the baby is born. And Ingvar immediately upon the baby being born was like, oh, how could this possibly? I didn't have anything to do with it. I like, didn't that do this. would have been a giveaway. It wasn't, he it should wasn't. have been shaggy that whole movie. It wasn't me. The whole movie. That's what he should have been if that was a real life situation. And how no, can he I, but prove the, it? To but no, there's no assumption. You're not so... going to reasonably assume that your husband's banging a fucking sheep. Yeah. If you had a half sheep baby born out of your prized, <laughs> prized hoof. What is of course you would. Of somebody had to do it. It's either the farmer Fran next door, or it's the husband there. You can't assume that there's just some centaur walking around. You can't assume that there's a beast walking around. Is what I'm saying. No, I I know, but okay. And you can't That's assume actually, that God did it. That it's I think immaculate. She would, I think she would uh, think that this was a gift yes. because yes. they kept referring to her as a gift. I think that they, they saw this as the universe or the gods or whatever they choose to believe in. I don't think that's really clarified. That they saw Ada coming back to them in lamb sheep form as a gift and an immaculate thing. I don't think she logically... Because then I think I think when she kills uh, Meryl Sheep that she would have gone and been more concerned for what to do next. You know, if she really thought there was a father walking around somewhere other than Ingvar. How do we know that the graveyard is not a bunch of old Adas? So now it's it's just a fucking uh, reanimator thing? No, because it's if you think about the movie logically, because apparently, like, I'm sorry, Lamb logic. You can't logically assume a divine intervention with a sheep baby. And you can't logically assume that You can logically assume assume that if you have a... But human into lamb vagina doesn't just make an abomination like that. You can assume that it has to be a human penis. Okay. 
and it's it's a, a monstrosity, a bestiality, baby, barn baby. You this have is to. Unbelievable. This I'm is unbelievable. going to be the voice of reason here and go back to your point of the uh, the crosses on the hill. This is Ingvar's family's house, hence why when uh, Pieter, the fuck up brother, comes back. His shit is in the is in the shed. It's was the parents' house. They moved in, so I'm assuming that the two other crosses on the hillside are Ingvar's mom and dad. That's my assumption. And then Ada's buried there as well. Side note: I still think it's fucked up to name your daughter after your dead daughter because what happens when Ada literally goes and says, "Huh, my name is already on a cross in this graveyard." That's fucked. That's, that's weird. That's, that's a con- that's some trauma for your sheep daughter more so than she has from the contents of this movie. Well, she also has no comprehension either. She's assuming the sheep daughter can't read. She's just going with whoever grabs her hand. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. No, because I have an an explanation for that as well. Because I'm right. And (laughs) no, okay. So again, Ada wanders off at one point. She wanders outside because Meryl's sheep is calling her. And so there's some type of recognition there. But she wanders out outside naked because she's a toddler at this point, I'm assuming. And... Um, they find her and they bring her back. I'm assuming that then they were very clear, like, okay, if you're ever out, you need to hold on to someone's hand, which is why she so readily grabs onto Pietro's hand and does not understand what a gun is. So whatever. I think it's just like a, it's the, I need to go to the adult that I'm with. Like I need to stay with them. So I need to hold on to their hand. Like that's my mm-hmm. assumption with sure. that. Yeah, that, that that's fine. But I also, I mean, I don't, do you think this is, this person, this thing is ever going to like develop cognition? And like be a human and be like, well, able she to like gets her dad breakfast. So she turns out much smarter oh, than they that's think. Yeah, no, she's just true. a toddler. She's that's a toddler. Yeah. She cannot communicate normally. And like the my thing with like when Charlie is killed and she runs inside, she realizes something is wrong. She realizes Charlie was protecting her from something. And then she runs inside. Maybe she doesn't see the sheep man, but she runs inside. And so she just the first thing she does is go to her mom. You know, which is like, and then, oh, okay, now dad's going to lay down. I'm going to go lay down with dad because I'll be safe with dad, you know? And side note, when her dad is dying, the first thing she does is lay down with him, like when he was drunk and not Yeah, that was fucking adorable. I was like, oh, I'm going to cry. This is the only time I feel like I'm tearing up. This is sad because she doesn't understand fully. Because kids can understand danger, but they don't know really what to do with it. You know, I think at that age, you just realize like, okay, I'm going to go to mom. So this thing can make scrambled eggs, but it doesn't understand the concept of its uncle pointing a shotgun to its face. I don't like that. I I feel like it's really undefined to me. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Like, I I, I agree it's a toddler and that she's just like, okay, I'm sorry. Let me, so let me go through the uh, learning stages of a a (laughs) land. The Piaget's learning and development shit. Yeah, Yeah. apparently. We're still caught in one of them. Uh, No, I, I, look, I think, I think she, become smarter than we realize i think the whole movie is hinging upon the fact that we were underestimating nature as a human race i mean that's a simple simple moral of the story like we're we're basically thinking that mama sheep doesn't care about her baby or that we should just we could just you know use and kill her i mean the the fact that uh jim I won't call him Tom this anymore, Jim. The fact that Jim comes back and has a perfect understanding of dramatic irony when he shoots Ingvar in the face, just like Numi yes. shot Meryl Sheep in the face, Elizabeth mm-hmm. in the face. I do still you have know. a problem with him shooting Ingvar and then also killing Charlie because I feel like you oh, killed the dog. Oh, but it's vengeance. It's 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 eye for an eye. It's I so simple. I get it, but also like Ingvar really is the only one who like didn't do anything to uh like okay Pieter yeah, is just the like brother. Meryl Sheep we, we, didn't we, do we haven't we haven't even talked about Pieter yet but Pieter 
uh, basically takes Ada out and is like, okay, I'm going to make this choice for them. And is going to shoot Ada, okay? Points a gun straight at Ada in the face. And then we get off-screen character development, which I did still hate. I still wanted something else to go from, Same. Uh, hey, this is an animal and we need to get rid of it, to um, I'm going to be the good uncle. Like something yeah. needed to have happened. Personally, I would have accepted Ada even just like going up and hugging her uncle's legs. Like I would have accepted that of him being like, oh, this is a child. Like I would have accepted that, but we didn't get that. We just do a jump cut and then oh, boom, character development, terrifying. And then um, we have Maria killing Meryl Sheep. So... Clearly, Ingvar is the only one who's just like, I'm going to be a good dad and a good husband and yay. And uh, like, yeah, so I get the whole eye for an eye. I still think it's dumb. I still think you take out the dog when you want to get rid of the alert system. So clearly he could have taken them all out in the house. And I don't get why he didn't do that to get Ada. Maybe he respects boundaries. He killed the dog. He killed Charlie. So no, he does not. He literally, he, he, okay. He either hooked up with the, sh- with Meryl sheep in the field or in the barn. And then he also went inside the barn to take the gun. So no, he does not like, respect boundaries. And it was more than just a fling with Meryl sheep. Can we get, can we establish Yeah, that, that's, he I loves think it has her. to be. Yeah. That's, they, they are as, as united as Ingvar and Maria are. Don't cover thy neighbor's sheep is the moral of the story. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, do we want to transition to antlers? Please. I please, think we should. Side note. Jeez. I'm glad we spent 25 minutes and settled on nothing there. Yeah, we really did settle on nothing. I will be sending um, Mike a therapy bill. Um, the police. I thought you were going to say I'll be sending the police. Just a therapy um, bill. I think that'll cover it. What, what do you got, Mike? Any questions about antlers? <clears throat> All right. So antlers... Well, my whole big thing here is, did we need the whole Wendigo storyline, or should Scott Cooper just be telling kind of a story about a perceptive teacher realizing that one of his students is is, is being abused at home? I mean, because to me, that's the story he obviously wants to tell. Instead, he gives us this very surface-level version of that, where, like, this kid... like. If this kid walked into your class looking like the rat catcher, smelling like skunk, <laughs> oh look, drawing pictures of the demons from hell that he does for your whole fucking class that you can see if you have eyes in your head because you can walk over there and see him drawing these giant red and black whatever the fuck on that piece of paper. Like the first thing you do is call child services. The first thing. You can No, even, but the like, but the point that the principal, the, the Karen of the year, the principal, who I'm sorry, the most the most white lady thing I've ever seen was her walking inside that house, smelling death, and then still going in further, and then using her little keychain phone case as a light. Oh God. God, the most white lady Karen shit I've seen. Side note, that actress was in an episode of Criminal Minds, and I could not get that out of my head the entire time watching her scenes in the movie. Um, and then... <laughs> But my point is, but like, I, I get what you're saying, but also monster movies make brain go burr. Okay. And so you have to I stop just like, that. no, I like monster movies. Okay. And I get what you're saying, but I think there's a different, the, the point of this story is that uh, when you don't take care of the earth, i.e. with mining and you kind of damage the earth, I do think they kind of mixed their legends and lore here. And I do think that. Like opening up with that passage about um, 
pray that they don't do it to you or whatever when talking about uh, the monsters and malevolent spirits coming out and targeting the the weak, the dying, and the um, whatever. Um, and then, you know, just hope that it doesn't come to you as a means of getting a body or a host for revenge. Like, I do think that that kind of cheapened the Wendigo story. Because the Wendigo story, I think they also kind of stretched a little weird. I, I'm... I'm very familiar with the Wendigo storyline because uh, I was very unhappy in middle school. So, of course, I loved all urban legends and all of that. Um, but, but it's more like it's it's not a choice, I should say, of like someone becoming a Wendigo. But like this kind of made it seem like everything is connected versus like, no, some, when you're when you're dealing with a whole town that is cut off and dying and starving you have a perfect setup for someone just naturally becoming a Wendigo because they got so hungry they had to consume human flesh versus what they send ended up being. It's like, oh no, this was just a different thing that infected the the dad and the right. son and killed the man. And then we never see the original monster again unless I missed that. Like I felt like they, it's like right. more like an infection. Like where did they go? Yeah, yeah, like it's more of an infection. And obviously... The dad isn't the one who killed the partner in the meth lab, you know, because the other monster had to. Yeah, that was it. Un, that was unexplained. I don't I don't know what happened. Well, because like I'm assuming either. part of the body was left in the mine, like and then uh, like the infection, because I think the whole point with the hunger of the Wendigo is that eventually the hunger gets so uh, significant that normal food and uh, it basically forces you into cannibalism because you can't. Right not like the only thing that'll satiate your hunger is human flesh, which forces you into cannibalism. And then the, uh, the transition is complete. So the body of the meth, uh, the meth maker partner, whatever the other guy, um, that's the other monster. And then leaving the body in the woods. Okay. Okay. But how did this, I mean, mm, I don't know. There's certain, there's certain, I think they meshed their lore a bit too much. Um, but it it does sounds make like the sense. two of you are kind of saying the same thing. Like it was, I, I, I don't, you know, like the Wendigo was cool and it was obviously there for visual effects and it was there as like this kind of storytelling device to make this a horror movie. But I also agree that it wasn't fleshed out well enough and I don't think it was, it, it sounds like it was, they didn't land on what the metaphor for it exactly was going to be. So like, I, I, I think I agree with kind no, of, no, I, I think, I think the ending really kind of tells you what the metaphor is supposed to be. It's like, you have these two super obvious cases of people who are struggling. You have the teacher who is a recovering alcoholic. We see multiple re- reenactments of her being abused by her father and all of that. And she ran away to California. And then you have this, the little boy, Lucas, who I really need to know if this actor is actually like 18. And then he did this choice to make himself look tiny because if they're actually <laughs> starving this child, I will call CPS on Hollywood. I don't have a problem with doing that. I am that white woman. I will do it. Um, he was, I tiny. don't think Fox searchlight is starving an 18 year old boy. No, for, for, no to play someone needs to, to call CPS though <laughs> in this universe. <laughs> this kid was so tiny. I got so concerned. Um, but he, like, he's obviously visibly starving. He's dirty. He's obviously being abused. There's some type of neglect going on. He's Something's killing skunks on. on the beach. Well, he's killing skunk. Yeah, but every that's, night. Like, that's that's hunt. That's that's. But they earth, don't. That's he's bringing home what the rules dead of raccoons. The, the, the evil are like. How, how does it go? What happened to the meth lab guy? How does it go from that fa- lineage, that family line of the dad and those Who two? Who cares? Kids? Stab no, it no, in listen, the listen, heart. Listen, Just listen, stab listen, it in listen, the heart. Who cares? <laughs> 
explaining to you. Okay. The dad was, we, so we find out the dad is cooking meth. That was very clear. But then we also find out the dad was shooting at meth. So he was already weakened and, you know, sick essentially. So when he is affected by the Wendigo, the original one, it obviously uh, eats him and consumes him faster than it does the, the son because though the son is hungry, he is still pure of spirit and all of that, okay? So then when, but then the uh, the Wendigo spirit obviously needs a host of some sort, okay? So it jumps to the kid. But then at the end, the line that Jesse Plemons' character says is, you have no idea what he did to me. When the sister says, right, when right, the teacher right. says, yeah oh, I don't remember this happening to you. And he just goes, you have no idea what happened to me. And then he walks off and it's like, oh yeah, you're right, we don't. But then at the end, he is the one that's infected with the Wendigo sickness or the the, the black sludge coming out because it's eating him alive. And So the, the Wendigo is, just goes to anyone who's who's been who's vulnerable. Like, the opening well, no, title because it does, said it, yeah. Yeah, whoever's so vulnerable. So everyone's vulnerable. Isn't every human being vulnerable? Yes, yeah. but it's- So that it's, whole town is going to be Wendigo town. Well, it's, that's not saying that it won't be. I mean, I again, I'm not saying it was a perfect explanation for it or a perfect execution, but also Jesse's character is he was clearly impaled somehow by the the Wendigo's horns or whatever. Like something happened where there was contact made with the the Wendigo in the shed. And so, like, brought to the brink, whatever. And then the sister kept him safe. Side note, when she goes into the mine and sees the Wendigo's face, did you think that it was Jesse's, it was the brother's face on his face? The skin face? Because that's what I, I thought. I thought it was the dad, dad's face. Yeah, I thought it was the dad as well. But that's one of the highlights I did like. There's a lot of homages in this. I mean, that's obviously Leatherface. There's a lot of homages to, like, classic horror movies. That scene in the attic with the, uh, when the principal lady, when the principal Karen does die and, like, the yeah. dad is, like transforming again that's clearly an homage to hellraiser i think uh they, there's just a lot of really cool like See, old look backs to old horror movies i, I, I dug. think i think you're thinking that references to like actual lore because like transformation is such a big uh part of a lot of uh native american and indigenous people's lore that i do think that you're seeing a correlation where there isn't any to actual when's the last movies? time you watched hellraiser not for fucking. It's been like five or ten years. I'm go back and watch Hell. I, if you can't, if you watch Hellraiser and you don't see a similarity, I will pay you ten dollars. I swear to God, it's. I will be sending you the Venmo the request by the end of the day. <laughs> okay. No, I just I think that there's like sure you can have. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not imagery. saying there's not a there's not transformation in Native American lore. I mean, I, you would know more about that than I would. But I'm just mm. I'm just as a fan of horror movies and who watch these things obsessively, I could not get the vision of that scene in Hellraiser when it's just the dude in the room by himself. I'm, I'm, this isn't even spoiling Hellraiser, but it's the dude and the girl in the room by himself and he's just starting to do the transformation of himself and he's screaming up to the heavens and stuff. It's like... I do. I, I don't know. I shocked. think that the transformation in a lot of horror movies, I don't think it's necessarily a callback to that specific horror movie. I think transformation is and like monster, but also like religious and type of horror movies and stuff. I do think transformation is a big part because there's certain things like that in a lot of possession scenes like that. You can call back to possessions. In no, I agree. I, that's what that's what makes it so stark in this case is that mm-hmm. the, the way it was shot to me, it, it looked almost identical. Okay, I, I mean, fair. I could be wrong. We'd have to get Scott Cooper on the line. We should fair. bring him in next. Okay. I do want to question something uh, mm-hmm. because the teacher and the uh, the sheriff are driving around a lot. These are beautiful shot, okay? But the amount of driving they do, I want to know how the hell Lucas is getting around. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point. He gets to the mine. 
in apparently record time. I'm assuming his Wendigo father is not carrying him. Maybe he's carrying the, the little brother, the baby bear, his little brother, but I don't think he's carrying Lucas. So how the hell is Lucas getting to all these locations in his emaciated state? <laughs> we keep coming back to that the kid just can't possibly be a, a functioning human being at all. How is he eating, too, by the way? What is he eating? He doesn't seem to be eating, and I think... I do think he did much better in this movie than I was expecting, because ch- child actors, I do think we are seeing a lot more um, actually talented child actors and not just like, oh, they're cute, let's give them lines. You know, like we're actually seeing cha- more <laughs> right. talented actors in Hollywood with kids and sure. stuff like that, but... Yeah, I don't know, because clearly there are certain things that um, I think they do explain. Like, clearly the dad got infected and then was like, I am very sick. And he's trying to protect his sons, which, like, I hear you, but also you couldn't do that when you were shooting at meth. Like, I get I get you, but also, like, choices <laughs> were made in this movie by your character. Um, but he locks his, his dad away and then he locks the brother away because the brother gets sick. But yeah, I guess he really wasn't eating and it wasn't until I, he was obviously, I mean, was he getting something from the other, uh, from the kills he was giving his brothers and stuff? Because obviously, like the takeout container, unless he got mm-hmm. it from the trash, but I don't think they show us that. Like he really was trying to make things as normal for his brother as possible, like giving his brother a takeout container versus just the slab of meat he gives his father. <laughs> On a tray from the school lunches. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Like, uh, look, I mean, I don't want to get in the way of you guys questioning the logistics in a in a batshit <laughs> horror movie. This is an yes. old MMO, Mike, Mike and Oscar pastime. We love this. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the story's thin regardless of that, in my opinion. Like we just mm-hmm. have... We have some of this playing out on screen, but most of the mythology here is like comes down to Graham Greene's one speech and the title card before the film, where it's mm-hmm. saying it preys on the vulnerable. What are the what are the themes here? What are the symbolic connections? Are we supposed to do a one to one allegory that these monsters are meth heads? That these monsters are just the outcasts of society? How far do you want to go with that symbolism? I mean, I think at the very least with Jesse, with the sheriff's character, I think the one of the themes is you really don't know who is suffering or who has suffered until something as stark as an infection kind of comes around like that, like an infection that goes against the vulnerable. Until like, it manifests, yeah. Yeah, um, until it manifests into something. Because like, even the teacher is like, obviously, like if we didn't know about the abuse, like it was manifested very clearly in her struggling not to drink. You know, so obviously... Yeah. And then her also projecting, side note, as someone whose childhood is riddled with trauma, um, the teacher taking a very weird vested interest in the child. And I'm sure they did, there's reason for it in this movie, but God, it's it's the weird forced motherhood that people, mothering that people try to put on children that are struggling that is always like really weird. (laughs) You didn't like that? You don't think that's realistic? Oh no, it does happen. I just think it's bullshit. <laughs> like I experienced oh, I that. A, I, I experienced that a lot, and I think it's bullshit. Um, because at the end of the day, like I also I do think that uh, Lucas's reaction to it is, and to all of this, I do think tracks with a child whose parent is making meth and or doing meth. Like there is a secrecy, like a cloak and dagger element that parents put on their kids when they're doing something illegal or you know are struggling with addiction that does manifest in various ways my dog is looking at me like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) Um, he just moved i think i was too loud 
Well, he's sensing something, but that's the thing. Like when we watch this movie, and even when I watch this movie, I didn't like how the movie played out. But I, I started off this section saying I think he wanted to make Scott Cooper. He wanted to make a sincere story about this subject. He wanted to make a a movie about abusive survivors and 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 who can help because every single structure in the story, every single structure of society in the story, whether it's the cops or it's the doctors or it's the school, they fall completely short of helping yeah. this child. Right. Only the teacher who's a survivor herself can help the child, and that's it. So I think there, there's some sincerity there that they're trying to get towards, and 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 only the the Native American mentor character knows anything about it. So there's just the mm-hmm. those in the know about handling the situation, and they're just in the know the whole movie. And then there's those that are idiots that prove to be wrong. Mm-hmm. The rest of the rest of the cast. So that to me, whenever you have binary characters like that, and Stephen King is probably the worst offender in this regard the movie suffers and and you know i don't want to pretend mm-hmm. to know more than that the movie suffers and I, I that's where i land at the end of the day oh you didn't like the redheaded child who uh swore swore like he had only ever read swear words and had never actually said them <laughs> yeah he, he might as well Pussy. have a yeah he might ha- he might as well have a varsity jacket in a 1980s movie and be dipped in gravy for the Wendigo, yeah. Oh, yeah. I also like the I like the backpack choice of leaving them outside because that's a school shooter prevention tactic. Meanwhile, this kid has a little pocket knife in his desk. Like, <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I was more impressed by like the, the story, I agree, is a weaker one. But I, I was impressed more so with the stuff around it, the production values and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, I like the score, even though if it is a little weird and weirdly placed, especially at the end, I agree with you, Amanda. I really like the cinematography. I think the way they mm-hmm. shot all this stuff, I saw people complaining, like you can never actually see the Wendigo. I'm like, that's, that's kind of so, the point. So why yeah. don't you like Dune then? Just like the production values. I do. Like the... I do. I gave it a Just... similar score. <laughs> I gave Dune and this a very similar. Cause grade. I also like the production values of Dune. I don't like the story, but yeah, no, I just think that, um, for God, I lost my train of thought because you guys brought up Dune, and then I thought about Timothy Chalamet, and then I'd be like, "Oh God, I gotta make sure he's, I gotta make sure he's getting regular milk and not chocolate milk at the grocery store." God damn it, you know, like that's what my Speaking brain. Of someone went. who's emaciated, yeah. God, um, but no. As far as like certain scenes, I do think were really well done. Like the, I think the piano scene with uh the, with the teacher when she's mm-hmm. playing and then she's reliving the abuse and like that that trigger and all of that. I thought that was really well done. And it's like, there are certain things that I think are, again, well done. And I do, again, big monster. We haven't had a good big monster movie in a while. I've been looking forward to this movie for literally two years. Mm. You know, so it's like, I don't know. I liked it. I do like when uh, Guillermo del Toro puts his stamp on something. Because then I know that he's, you know, at least vibing with the monster aspect and the practical effects aspect. I do want to know. I do want to see more behind the scenes from this movie, especially with the with the Wendigo and how that all played out and how they were able to achieve certain things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked the face bit. I, I don't know. I don't think the, was the face the dad? I don't know. It's either the dad or the redhead. Because the must, yeah, the, well, no, he had a mustache. That's why I thought it was the brother. Oh, it has to be the, oh, the brother. No, Maybe has it was to- Freddie Mercury. Wow. <laughs> Just put on Freddie Mercury's face. You don't know that it's not. Well, because she's horrified when she sees him. And it's like, yeah, you're horrified because you see a monster. But there's a, a glimmer of recognition. So I'm wondering if there was an alternate ending where the brother was killed by the Wendigo. 
I think it was just... a dad. No, I think it was a dad because it came like when his corpse. Because like this whole movie is just carcasses, right? Like mm-hmm. the horror, the mo- the most of the horror is the carcasses, and the father's face was left out of the carcass, like a bug, yeah. beetle bug, cicada shell or something. I will, yeah. I will say, Swell, I prefer if it was Jesse Plemons' face because I didn't like the the very last shot there, the ending. Like it would have made more sense to me if it was just Carrie Russell and the kid, and she had to like decide for herself what to do with him going forward and all that. Yeah. Versus, I'm sorry, it's like, he's like a lion. It's like raising a lion's cub. You don't know what he's going to turn into. I mean, you know a lion's cub is going to turn into a fucking lion's club, Jesse. That's a dumb thing to say. Like, this child is abused. Get him therapy. Oh, the kid, the people who know and the people who don't know are just the, the, the vast divide in there in this movie. It drives me up, up a wall. But for the Jesse Plemons acting, though, if you're getting DMs from former students of Mr. Plemons, how many <laughs> how many does he get? How many does he get? So I could just see him channeling, you know, bad test score. Oh, my God. Grief from his father's former students there. Side note, I'm sorry. Something I there is a trope in every single more movie like this with when there's a monster involved, especially in rural towns where they're like, an animal did this, right? No animal I've ever seen. Also, I like the Emmy that just straight up said, I don't know what to tell you. Like, why the <laughs> fuck are you here? Who are you? No, they're worthless. Every single uh, component of society. It just falls on their faces in this movie. The only people that know anything is the retired detective Graham Greene. Uh, and and Carrie Russell, and that's. I mean, to be fair, with the way this country is right now, there are a lot of systems that have been proven to be just awful and failing, and can't completely get out of their own incompetent. Way. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I just wow. with the with the well, I just assume with like rural areas, like you know, especially it's a hunting town, you are familiar with certain animal attacks, and you know how those manifest. You would know, hey, this isn't freaking human that what did this, or this isn't man. And then it's like, it looks like human bite marks. Yeah, that looks suspicious. Let's question that. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, wow. I wonder what this is. Huh, must not be human. Also, side note, if it's the Wendigos at that point, it was infecting the dad versus the growls. Would it not be human at that point? The teeth? Wouldn't it be the Wendigo teeth? Like the, the monster teeth, the pointy teeth that the, the kid drew? Yeah. The, the, the final question I have, though, is if you had to plan a date for Timothy Chalamet and yourself, where would you pick to go? Because obviously he's not making that decision. Um, oh, yeah, he probably wouldn't. Uh, if he did see. back and buys a little more often, <laughs> would you Ooh, go on okay. a date with Timothy Chalamet? No, I would probably go. Okay, I'm assuming it's in, L- it's in New York because he's a pretentious fuck. So I'm assuming we're in New York. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Off I to say a hot start. I say we try to go to Ray's because that's where um, Nicholas Braun is a co-owner and there's a chance I'm going to see him there. So I might as well get something out of it. So um, <laughs> On we, this we, date with Chalamet, I might as well get something out of it. Yeah. Other than bragging rights. Because, I mean, the amount of death threats I'm going to be getting because I'm seen with Chim- Timothy Chalamet, I might as well get something out of it. I went on a date with Timothy Chalamet and all I got was this lousy t-shirt and not chlamydia. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, badge of honor. Hey, I went on a date with Timothy Chalamet and I didn't get chlamydia. I didn't get to meet Zendaya. I'm very upset. She's so done with him. Have you seen the Dune the Dune press conferences? And oh, stuff? yeah. Oh, She's yeah. She's so tired of him. <laughs> and I imagine their friendship is just him needling her all day about Tom Holland, too. Like, just based off that one clip. It sounds like that's something she's heard from him a billion times before. That wasn't yes. the first time he made that joke. Yep. 
this episode, you, your Zendaya's face meme and worse, Timothy Chalamet, this whole <laughs> yes. episode. This is finally, we finally hit a tipping point and we all acknowledge it here. Yes, I, I want badly, Mike, you need to watch Hellraiser. Amanda, I want to just know your thoughts on Dune. Ugh, fine, maybe. <laughs> do you, do you want to give yourself a shout out and a promo and tell all the nice people where they can find your work? Yes, guys. Uh, fun announcement. I have a plushie now. It's a Swall Entertainment plushie. It's a limited time only. It's basically, according to my dad, it's like an NFT. It's not because it's fungible, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you can get a Swall Entertainment plushie. It's super cute. It's actually very affordable. But also, you can check me out on Swall Entertainment on YouTube. And then you can also check out my own podcast, The Swall Shenanigans Podcast. I've had Mike on, but eventually we'll get other Mike on as well and bully him into talking about something. <laughs> Who knows yet? But that episode is actually done surprisingly well. So we need to get the, both mics on because then it'll do doubly well. Um, but yeah, awesome. check me out. I'm Lovey 2 Golka everywhere else. And thank you all for having me on again and for letting me prove Mike's to be wrong always. I respect that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, one, you need to get us a plushie. I've told you this. Oh, no. Two. I'm going to buy literally 50 or 60 for myself for like long term because once they're gone, they're gone. There's, they're I not know. Yeah. Again. Well, that's what makes it like an NFT. Maybe your father's a bright you. man. He knows that. <laughs> There's no blockchain with my plushie. <laughs> Two, I have a, uh, a a swell shenanigan story that I, I should have said when I was on your pod that I'm I'm holding back to sell uh, the next time. And it would have gone perfect with the Halloween season, too. So Ooh, I might okay. have to wait a year. Yeah, that was a great episode because you, like, laid bare your deepest fear, Mike, in that one. <laughs> we, we thought we, – we came for the celebrity bathing habits and we stayed for the Mike One phobias. A great yeah. episode. Oh, no, we're basically – we are definitely um, – uh, I have that birds aren't real girl that I read that we played the audio. <laughs> yes, from. she's yeah. coming on as a guest for uh, the birds aren't real episode of the podcast. They are all just pawns of the bourgeoisie. We all know this now. Yes, they were implemented by Reagan back in the eighties. All the real birds were killed. Exactly. Um, what what do I go from here, Mike? What do I say, guys? <laughs> <laughs> you can throw it at me for <laughs> yeah we need uh we need words of wisdom and all that uh once you're done checking out swell on swell entertainment on youtube if you would be so kind to check us out uh mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter uh mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit if you're listening to us on the apple podcast app if you're listening to swell shenanigans on the apple podcast app if you would leave us both five star reviews we would truly appreciate those michael tell the good people what's coming next and what are some words of wisdom to get out of here on well yeah the wisdom is is easy when bad acting ruins a good movie that's your video that i i must have missed amanda uh back a while because i love cryptid movie cryptid movies i love bad movies about it so primal rage i'm gonna watch primal yes. rage and it's I'm on watch it's on amazon prime you can check it nice. out prime video perfect i watch all the stupid bigfoot documentaries on there like it's like a series of them like bigfoot mm-hmm. the legend bigfoot the cult whatever it's just like one after another they're terrible mm-hmm. terrible but yeah i'm also uh High on all the sugar that I still ate last night, Michael. So I, I don't know what I this, I was delirious for half this episode. So I appreciate you both uh, for sticking you have with the me. appetite of a Wendigo is what you were. Trying I have to an say. appetite yeah. of the Wendigo at my yeah. local AMC. Correct. Right. So wise to follow. Swell. We got uh, Oscar Sprint profiles. A huge month ahead. Eternals. Spencer. Belfast. House of Gucci. Prince. Uh, Prince Richard. King Richard. He's a king, damn it. And uh, licorice pizza, which I'm not going to eat after 
the fact that Terrible. I'm going on a diet immediately. <laughs> and Clifford. Don't forget Clifford. Oh, Clifford. Oh, yeah, we got Clifford. Can't wait for Clifford. So all of that's coming. Oscar race checkpoints with some Gothams and et cetera, nominations and, and award shows to come in November as well. Uh, Amanda, we are gluttons for punishment. So thank you once again <laughs> for joining us and dealing it out and not disappointing in that regard, guys. When reality sucks, you can come. Watch these ridiculous movies with us and our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.